Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Monday. What a fun episode of Locked On Blue Devils we've got planned for you today as we're going to be recapping the Duke men's basketball victory over Maryland Eastern Shore, talking about the first 12 games of the season for Duke as a whole and looking towards the games to come for the Duke Blue Devils. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. Also subscribe on the YouTube platform as we continue to climb our way towards 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Your support means the absolute world. The show can be found on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Super excited to bring on my good pal, Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report with me on today's show to talk all things Duke Hoops. And Jason, it's good to see you once again, and it's good to be talking about a Duke team that keeps finding ways to win, my friend. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. And I- I think even though that game on Saturday was, you know, it was it was a game where Ken Pomeroy's prediction chart never went below like 98%. <laughs> it was not a game where the outcome was ever in doubt. It was frankly a game where Duke didn't play all that well and they still won by close to 30 points. I think it's a significant, I think we're going to look back on it as a significant game for a few different players. And I'm ready to talk to you, Mr. Underscore JJ Underscore Jackson. <laughs> A lot of underscores in there for sure. Well, look, it's a game that immediately rewrote the history books, Jason, right? Because for the first time ever in Dukeman's basketball, Jeremy Roach did not play in the competition. And so for the first time ever, Duke started five true freshmen, which they'd never done before. We've been talking about sort of this one-and-done era of Duke basketball for over a decade now at this point, but never before had five true freshmen been the first five players out there on the floor for Duke. And they did that on Saturday against Maryland Eastern Shore. Yeah, and and that's one of the significant things I want to talk about. Not the fact that they had five freshmen, but the freshmen that they picked to fill out that starting lineup when Jeremy Roach went out. Because if you'd asked me coming into this game, okay, Roach is not going to play. Who is Duke going to put in his place? I probably, my first choice probably would have been, I probably would have said, that's Derek White. Uh, so, sorry, not Derek White. <laughs> That's who they picked. Yes. Uh, that it would be uh, Jacob Grandison. Uh, I think that would have been the one that sort of, based on performances so far this year, would have made the most sense. To be honest, the other one that would have made a lot of sense uh, would have been if if they had picked. Um, got a uh, blanking on it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe uh, J- Jalen Blakes. Jalen wow. Blakes. <laughs> I can't believe that happened to me. It was like his name just went from my head. Uh, either one of those guys have sort of been ahead of. Whitehead in the rotation thus far. I think it was significant, though, that John Shire chose to go with Derek Whitehead because D- Derek Whitehead is the guy who everyone says has the most potential of anybody on this team. That's what I I happen to believe, having seen him some in high school and in, in the high school All Star games, knowing his reputation. The guy that is going to take this Duke team that is currently like a top fifteen kind of team, and I think that they are ranked appropriately. They're like thirteenth, twelfth. I think that's about where they should be right now. The guy who can take them from that level to next level, top five national, real national championship contender is Dariq Whitehead. And to me, it says something that John Shire said, okay, Dariq, it is your turn. It is your time. I think it is entirely possible. I'm not saying this for sure, but it's possible 
that when we look back on this season, that this is the first game of many that Derek Whitehead is the starter. And in fact, I think it's possible that he starts every single game the rest of the year. Not saying that's probable, especially this Wake Forest game coming up, because I don't think they're going to have a lot of practices between the Wake Forest game. But I think that after that, as we go through the Christmas break and approach New Year, because Duke has one game in 20 days, one game right. in 20 days. That's a lot of t- now the guys are going to be taking exams. The guys are going to be studying. The guys are going to be going home for Christmas for a couple of days. But there's a lot of time in there for practices, for working on individual stuff, all that jazz. And I think that Derek Whitehead is the guy who will benefit the most from that. And I, again, I'm saying I'm not going to call it as in like I'm sure of it, but I won't be surprised if not at the Wake Forest game, the Florida State game on the 31st, Derek Whitehead is in the starting lineup and he never leaves the starting lineup. Yeah, Duke wins 82-55. Derek Whitehead, a career-high 15 points, as you can see if you're watching us on YouTube, our box score available. Uh, one of five shooting from three-point range uh, for Derek. But later in the game, a crossover dribble, a drive to the rim, and a right-handed tomahawk jam. That's what we've seen in his high school highlights, in his AAU highlights. That's the player that you're expecting to see uh, for the Duke Blue Devils in Derek Whitehead. But he's coming back from a foot injury, so it's fair that we hadn't seen that quite yet. It's really positive that we did see a play like that towards the end. We can throw out the numbers all we want to, and yes, it is important for these freshmen to get to celebrate career highs. That's really fun for them to keep going up on those totals. But plays like that, I think, are going to have the bigger impact when you look at games like this, knowing that you've seen what you were watching in his high school days. And to me, the significant thing about Drake Whitehead was a three-minute stretch from about the 740 mark to about the 440 mark uh, of the second half. That was that three-minute stretch where he scored nine points. He hit his three-pointer. He had that ridiculous dunk. But he also had a couple other really nice shots that he that he made. Nine points in three minutes. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah. There are not a lot of guys in college basketball. There are not a lot of guys on the Duke roster who are capable of doing that kind of thing. Now, uh, you know, I'm not saying, look, if you said to Kyle Filipowski, I want you to take every shot for the next three minutes, probably gets nine points. But I'm talking about in the flow of the offense, uh, playing the way we would normally play, guys who are so explosive, so capable of getting their own shot that they can get nine points in three minutes. That's what we're getting in Derek Whitehead. He's not going to do it often, but the fact that he did it this one game shows us he can do it. And, man, my biggest thing about him is the time he missed was when everybody comes and gels together. Yeah. It's not like this was a guy who got injured in December and then missed four weeks into the middle of January where they had already been in the flow of the team. While the team was forming, while the team was coming together, while they were learning what they could be, in the preseason, he wasn't there. He could do nothing but sit on the sidelines and watch. So, yeah, no wonder it's taking him some time to really get integrated, to figure out where his teammates are, for them to figure out where he is, for the coaches to get developed trust in him. But I just, you know, this 20-day yeah. stretch, these yeah. 20 days, we're in the mid, we're, we're right at the start of it right now. This is so important for him. It's just, uh, this guy is probably going to be a lottery pick. He hopes to be a top five pick in the NBA draft. It starts now. And I can't wait to see the player that he's going to be through this. And uh, as he sets his sights on 
uh, becoming that next level NBA player. It starts with performances like he had on Saturday against Maryland Eastern Shore and utilizing this practice time. So 15 points for Derek in the win. Uh, he was tied for the team lead in that scoring effort by Tyrese Proctor, who had 15 points as well. And man, Jason, I tell you what, Proctor continues to get more and more comfortable on the ball every single game. It's so much fun to watch. I'm of the belief now that Tyrese Proctor is, at least for most of the game, until we get, you know, maybe at the very end of a contest or in a close contest, that Tyrese Proctor really is running point guard and that Jeremy Roach, who wasn't available in this game, but Jeremy Roach is playing more of a, uh, a little bit more of an off the ball kind of role for this team. And that's because Tyrese Proctor, I think maybe runs the team better than Jeremy Roach does. Roach is great at getting his own shot, getting to the rim, getting in the lane, taking those short range pull-up jumpers that are so effective for him. Tyrese Proctor, I think, is better at getting his other teammates involved. He had a pass in this game. He had a, a, a play. It was one of Jaden Shute's three-pointers. I think it was the second of the three-pointers that Jaden Shute buried, where Tyrese Proctor drew the entire team, the entire opposition, down close to the baseline, and then threw a pass like across his body, and he zipped it like on a line out to Jaden Shute at the top of the key, and Jaden Shute buried a three-pointer. It was a really, really great pass, and we see that kind of thing from Tyrese Proctor again and again. He's the best player on this team at getting easy opportunities for his teammates. And that's why I think, you know, he was clearly the point guard in this game. That's why I think he's sort of effectively the point guard going forward. And that's something you want to continue to see for Tyrese Proctor, getting more and more comfortable being that lead guard. I'm reminded of some conversations that you and I had on this very podcast before the start of the year. And I want to get to those in just a moment and also talk about a fellow freshman that wasn't in the starting lineup that really impressed folks with his performance on Saturday. And we're going to do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. This time of year and at any time, making your next hire is so important. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report podcast. So I mentioned another freshman, uh, again, that didn't get a chance to start. Duke makes history starting five true freshmen for the first time ever. And Jaden Shute, who has already had a couple of uh, DNP's CDs, did not play coaches' decisions to start the year, goes three for three from three-point range and is basically the advertised player that we thought we were getting when he committed to play basketball for Duke. You know, on, on my podcast, you just mentioned that on the Duke Basketball Report, we break our games, our, our game summaries down into a few different categories. And the very first thing we do is, is we do what we call the headline. You know, it's, it's, you know, like we're a newspaper writer and we're putting up a headline for each game. And 
I think something significant happened in this game, which is that in the post game, John Shire had a headline. The very first thing that John Shire talked about in his post game news conference was Jaden shoot. And he immediately praised the work ethic, talked about how hard Jaden shoot has been going in practice. And he said, it is starting to pay off for him. You're absolutely right. Duke has had a nine man rotation up until this point in the season. And Jaden shoot has been the 10th guy, the odd man out. I don't know for sure that that has changed, but I think we got glimpses of some of the things that Jaden Shute can bring to the table in this game that may, may create an opportunity for this to become a 10-man rotation and for him to be a part of it. I'm not saying this is a kid who's going to average double figures in terms of minutes per game. I'm not saying he's going to have a lot of games where he takes three or four three-pointers, but I think he can find a little role as a floor spacer. This is a team that has struggled with outside shooting. I mean, goodness knows we've had some Oregon State. Anybody? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've had some games where this team has been really bad from the perimeter. And Jaden Shoot is an outstanding, outstanding three-point shooter. And I really thought the thing that was holding him back, the reason he wasn't playing, was because I thought of his defense. Uh, it, it, it's a big adjustment for players, especially Jaden Shoot didn't play like big-time high school basketball. He wasn't on one of these really elite um, EYBL teams. And I think that maybe he didn't get as much work against this kind of caliber of athlete as some of the other players that come out of high school. So I think it's been a big adjustment to him to play defense. His defense now, admittedly, Maryland Eastern Shore, <laughs> not a good team. Sure. <laughs> Let's be real clear. One of the bottom, you know, 30 or 50 teams in the nation, according to Ken Pomeroy and the other folks who pay attention to every team, all 363 yeah. teams. They're in the 300s, let's just put it that way. But I thought Jaden Shute's defense looked passable. And if his defense looks passable, then you can get him on the floor because you need that shooting. Yeah, five rebounds, uh, three of three from three-point range. Yeah, by the Shire. way, John Shire pointed out that the very first thing that Jaden Shute did when he was in the game was grab an offensive rebound. Yep. And that Shire was like, you know, I love that. And that this is a kid who can do more than just fire up from deep. Uh, and that would be big toward shoot finding, uh, you know, an early role on this club. And if you're saying shoot, hearing your coach or seeing it after the fact, and, and so much so with that quote from John Shire, Dukeman's basketball, their social staff is so strategic with what they're putting out there. And we're going to put out this big standalone graphic with this quote from Jaden shoot, right? Like I feel like knowing that you are the shooter for this team. That is my one job. When I get into the game, I'm there to knock down shots. If they're not falling, that could be a little deflating and that sort of thing. But to see, okay, wait a minute, there are other ways to sort of contribute, and that's just a part of the learning curve that these freshmen go through. And it is so important to note, when you really look at basketball, and I, I'm sure you do this, it's not only that Jaden shoot is out there to hit three-pointers for you. He's out there to provide spacing. And spacing isn't just, I hit my shot. It's that the opposing team knows they need to look out for me. They know, you know, they know they cannot leave me alone out here. And that creates extra space inside. This is a Duke team that has a lot of guys who are really good at getting into the lane and, and, you know, taking short range jumpers or creating opportunities for their teammates. I mean, that's what Jeremy Roach, that's what Tyrese Proctor, that's what Dariq Whitehead do outstanding. And having a guy like Jaden shoot out there on the perimeter means there's there's one less defender who can clog up that middle for you. And by the way, if they choose not to clog up the middle, if they leave Jaden shoot, that's a mistake. 
because he's going to hit the three-pointer. He's going to knock it down for sure. Uh, J.J. Jackson here with Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report podcast on a Monday edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Typically, when you are brainwashed by somebody, I think there's a little bit of a negative connotation that can go along with that. But I want to let people know on how Jason Evans has brainwashed me. On this very podcast, before the season started, the one question that you had of many about the Stukeman's basketball team, Jason, was talking about how Jeremy Roach factors in as the junior captain for this squad in terms of sharing the basketball versus finding his shot. And the assist totals were going to be so key. I'm not kidding. I stare at the assists and shot attempts in every box score after each game this season, thinking of that very conversation we had, Jason. So uh, we look at Maryland Eastern Shore in particular because Roach didn't play. Duke walks away with 18 assists on 31 made shots. Your assessment of the Eastern Shore game and then 12 games into the year, where are you still at with that line of thinking that you had before the season? So I think it's become abundantly clear. And, and, and we're talking now about the whole season because yeah. Jeremy Roach didn't play against Maryland Eastern Shore. I think it's become abundantly clear that Jeremy Roach is not going to turn into a guy who gets five, who regularly gets five plus assists in a game. I think he's done it maybe once or twice this season, but but not really often. Part of that is that he's sharing, you know, the main ball handler, the main facilitator role um, with Tyrese Proctor. Part of that is that, you know, Jalen Blakes and, and some of the other perimeter guys are, are coming in and, and and Roach doesn't feel the need. Jalen Blakes has had a couple of five assist games already and, and has. Roach hasn't been there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I what I what I've come to the conclusion is that this is a team where there are a lot of guys who are going to create and create opportunities for their teammates. There are a lot of different guys who are going to get assists. Rather than this being a team where we have 18 assists and some guy has nine, this is a game where we have 18 assists and what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six different guys have two or more assists. I mean, that's saying something. There you go. And and, and you're seeing it from the big man. I mean, Kyle Filipowski picks up assists. Ryan Young is a nice passer. Uh, Derek Lively does a really nice job of high-low passing, you know, from the high post and such. So uh, in the preseason, you and I talked about, is Roach going to facilitate for others? It's, I, I, I don't think he's going – that's not going to be his primary role. Uh, he's shown that he's more of a scorer than a facilitator. But that's okay because, lo and behold, and I didn't realize that it would be this way, we have so many other guys who are capable of doing that for us. Yeah, it's really good to see those guys step up when you need it. I mean, you need the ball to be uh, – got to spread the ball around to all the different scores that Duke has this season. I think it's also um, indicative, Jason, that we haven't seen as many 20-point scoring outings from anybody, right? Like last year, there are so many. You lose track of all the 20-point games that Paulo Bencaro had for the squad. A.J. Griffin had 27 in Chapel Hill last season, right? And we just really haven't seen – one guy exclusively take over scoring the basketball. And I think also of the, the ball that this Duke offense has had. Yeah. There are so many people who've made this comment, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Th- this team does not have a Zion Williamson. It does not have a Polo Bancaro. It does not have a dominant player on offense who you can give the ball to and say, Hey, take it and create it and do it. You know, do what we need you to do. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I'll, I'll tell you in March or April. <laughs> but it is a reality that we're going to have to deal with for this entire season. And part of that reality is, you know, I don't know that 
I'd have to look. I honestly haven't looked at the stats. Is there anybody on this team averaging 15 points per game? Is Kyle Filipowski averaging 15 points per game? He, at one point, he was at 15.4, 15.7 or yeah, something it's, like it's come that. Down a little it's, bit it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think this is the kind of team where there are going to be, I don't know, like maybe seven different guys who are capable of leading the team in scoring on any given night. And there may not be anyone who leads the team in scoring more than 40% of the time. Think about the past few yeah. years. That, that was not the case. I can't even remember happen. the last time that was the case. I, I'm, I, you know, let me go back a little bit. Maybe, like maybe going back to like Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, John Shire kind of time, because those right. guys each shared a little bit of it. Uh, but I mean, over the past decade, there's almost always been, not saying there weren't other good players in the team or other guys capable of having big nights, but there's always been like one guy who you went, well, you know, Hey, Jabari Parker, Austin Rivers, uh, Jaleel Okafor. I mean, I can go through and name them for you one by one. And it, it feels like this Duke team is different from those other teams, not just because there's a different head coach, but because there's not as much maybe elite scoring talent, but there's more in the middle, so to speak, more guys yeah. who are capable of doing it. Grandison has come close. I think we've already had – I think it's either five or six guys. Maybe it's five guys. That's what I was trying to think team, in my head. Right. He's led the team in scoring in a game this year already. Right. Yeah. Now, it's mostly been Filipowski. Right. Early in the season. But part of that is, you know, Whitehead has been hurt. Lively's been I, I won't be surprised yeah. if we end up with seven or eight different guys who lead this team in scoring at some point this season. I mean, That's Ryan Young has shown he's capable of it. Right. You right. give Jaden Shoot, if Jaden Shoot gets enough minutes, <laughs> you know? Yep. yep. No kidding. Yeah, I'm excited to see the the rest of the season sort of play out the rest of uh, the the um, 2022 before we jump into the heart of ACC play uh, coming up here and more. So let's take one more break here on Locked On Blue Devils, and we'll start to wind things down after this final timeout here on the show today. At Locked On Blue Devils, we believe that home should be where you and your family feel the safest, especially over the holidays coming up. That's why this season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Blue Devils listeners 40% off a new security system, which is so amazing. And you just don't want to put this off. In an emergency, 24 7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get a higher priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no place like Simply Safe. No safe like Simply Safe. Moving forward and wrapping up today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, I'm JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report podcast. One more time, Jason, tell me a little bit about that podcast and what you guys are up to these days. Yeah, unlike you, we're not pulling out uh, one of these every day. We, we do, we're doing about two, maybe three of them a week. Uh, you know, we're just in the in the midst of of the regular season. There's all kinds of fun stuff that we do in the off season, as you know. Yes. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how you pull it off, although you're covering all the other sports as well. But no, for the most part, we're just locked locked in on the uh, on the on the regular season and the games that are that are being played. We're ready for the ACC season to really start. We're this Maryland Eastern Shore game, even though. We're talking early December, last non-conference game of the season for Duke. 
Every other game we have coming up is against the rest of the ACC. And an ACC that, by the way, looks like it's tremendously stratified. I, I, you know, they're like, I guess, four, maybe five teams that seem like they're good. Right. And, and then the, the middle and the bottom of the ACC seem pretty atrocious. But that puts pressure on you as Duke. You can't, you can't let up and, and lose one of those games to one of those teams that's, that's just, frankly, bad. And it can happen, you know, in, in an ACC, you know, go on the road or something. I don't know. Go yep. on the road to Florida State. Florida State's won two games this year. Are you telling me that the game at Florida State is, is an easy game? No, it's not, even though they've only won two games all year. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready for these ACC games to start and really eager to see them, see Duke play some of the better teams in the ACC, the Virginia's. Virginia Tech looks really good. North Carolina, of course. And, there, you know, maybe there's one or two others. Where is your concern right now with the Duke team? Uh, probably on offense. Okay. I, I – you know, I I really I'm really eager for Derek Whitehead to start showing what he's capable of. I think that we're getting more and more of of Derek Lively. Uh, I would love for him to be a little more of an offensive factor. The thing with Derek Lively, and really quick, I'm just going to sidetrack. Yeah, we'll go for it. The thing with Derek Lively that drives me crazy is that he'll have stretches, like in the first half, like like uh, from the 15 minute mark to like the five minute mark. Uh, he, he was grabbing tons of rebounds, blocking shots like crazy. Just like, you know, everything they threw up, he was blocking it. Uh, he, he had some assists. He, he was getting deflections and steals. And he was even scoring a little bit. And then he went away. And th- we've seen this happen a lot. Like, Derek Lively's great for a half. And then the other half, suddenly she's not there that much. So I want him to get more consistent. I, I desperately want Derek Whitehead to become more efficient. He's shooting a lot. I mean, like, he scored 15 points in this game. We talked about that nine the nine points in three minutes, but the rest of the game, he's taken a lot of, right. a lot of shots that didn't go down. And, and that's been the story with him so far this year. His shooting percentage is not what you need it to be. And his shot selection is not what you need it to be. I'm a big believer in taking good shots. <laughs> uh, so but that's why it's been so awesome that Duke's excelled rebounding the basketball, right? And creating yeah. oh my God. so but, you get more looks at it. Imagine what this, because you're right. Imagine uh, earlier in the podcast today, we're praising okay, you don't know who's going to be the leading scorer night to night and how awesome that versatility can kind of be. If you're missing shots and then not getting the rebounds, uh, world of trouble. Oh, my word. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, let's be clear. This Duke team is the number one offensive rebounding team in the country. <laughs> number one, <laughs> the best. Out of 363, um, the number we shared earlier. Yeah. Yes, but their three-point percentage, they're hitting 31.6%. That's 243rd in the nation. They are basically one of the bottom hundred teams in all of college basketball. Yikes! At three point shooting. Yeah, I mean you got to be a good offensive rebounding team, and, and their two point shooting isn't that. We're 150th at two point shooting. I mean it's it's okay, but that's right in the middle of the pack. So if you're a bad three point shooting team, bottom hundred, you're right in the middle of the pack as a two point shooting team. You damn well better be a great offensive rebounding team, or the other alternative which is, I think, partially, you know, the story of this Duke team, they're way better on defense than I, than I expected they would be. I, I got a question for you, JJ, and your, your listeners are going to love this. Your listeners, viewers, I don't know. We're on YouTube, so viewers, listeners. We got it all, yeah. We got it all. <laughs> I want you to guess. So we played 12 games. Okay. How many times do you think a team that's played Duke this year has reached their scoring average in the season? How many times have a team that's played Duke gotten to their typical average Scoring output. 
it's not many because I, I still recall a game this season where Duke only gave up 38 points in one basketball game, and I would like to think a Division One team is scoring more than that. So out of 12, I'm going to say seven. No. The no. answer is zero, my friend. Wow. Zero. Duke has not given up average an average scoring game to any of their opponents this year. Obviously, it changes from opponent to opponent wow. what an average scoring game is. Not a single time. I knew the Purdue, defense was yeah, – wow. <laughs> even Purdue that, frankly, blew our doors off late right. where we couldn't score for the final seven minutes. Even that game, which was clearly our worst game of the season, Purdue didn't reach its average for the year. Iowa is – early. you know, game earlier this week, arguably Duke's best game of the season. Iowa is a prolific scoring team. Average is better than 80 points per game. They were, tw- they were close to 25 points under their scoring average when they played Duke. Yeah. Totally took Chris Murray out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. This Duke team, uh, this was the seventh time in 12 games that our opponent failed to score 60 points. Remember, 60 points, like that's not a big number. Sure. People just can't do it against Duke. Right. No one has an, even an average game against us. I, I really think John Shire said it in the preseason. He has repeated it many times. This team's calling card is its defense. So you ask me, you know, what am I concerned about? I'm not concerned about the D. I'm concerned about the offense because we have shown that we are a truly elite defensive team. Can't wait to see what Duke basketball looks like in the coming weeks, although there won't be very much of it. Again, uh, with final exams this week and then the holiday break coming and that sort of thing, we'll have some downtime away from That's a good Duke thing. Play. That's a good thing. That's a good, that's thing. A good thing. We the have, consumer, we, have... we don't love it as much, but right. to enjoy what you're going to watch, it's a very good thing. I, I said it earlier. We have one game in 20 days, and and one of one of the one of the listeners to the Duke basketball report wrote to us, and he said, "This is these 20 days are the most important part of the season for this Duke team." I don't know if I go quite that far, but his point was, "This is the time to get Derek Whitehead integrated." Yeah. Think about what this. Think about how well this team has played. I said, like they're a top 15 kind of club. Uh, they they are not a team that will be an easy out. They have shown with victories over teams like Iowa and Ohio state that they are very, very capable of playing with, you know, top 25 kind of clubs. They, they, they showed at Kansas that they're capable of playing with darn near anyone in the country. And they haven't had a real Derek Whitehead because we haven't even, we haven't even come close to seeing the real Derek Whitehead. Right. It's uh, there's potential there. Big things ahead for sure. Jason, this is always a blast to get you on the podcast. Thanks again for taking some time to join me today, buddy. My pleasure. That's my good pal Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report joining us today on Locked On Blue Devils. Make sure you check out their podcast. Listen to it for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave them a five-star rating and review. The algorithms love it when you type out a written review. Do the same for Locked On Blue Devils if you don't mind. That's going to do it for today's show. Coming up tomorrow, our good buddy Jason Jordan, Locked On and Sports Illustrated's Director of College Basketball Recruiting will be back for another recruiting look back. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.